Lord, is this the time? How many of us have gazed up into heaven in frustration and asked that question? Lord, is this the time? Is this the time you're going to finally fix my relationship? Is this the time you will get me that job I've been wanting? Is this the time you will solve my problems? Is this the time you will do what I think needs to be done? Lord, is this the time? It's been about a month since Jesus was raised from the dead, and the disciples, like us, are growing a bit anxious as they wait for Jesus to do what he said he was going to do, or at least what they wanted him to do, which is restore the greatness, the kingdom of Israel. But instead of rallying the troops, Jesus seems to scatter them with a word. As he steps onto his own personal cloud cuckoo land elevator, he answers a disciple's question about what time it is with both a lesson, a short lesson, and a promise. They ask a question, he teaches them something, and then promises them something else. It is not for you to know the times or periods that the Father has set by his own authority. It is not for you to know the time. But, he goes on, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And with that lesson and that promise that Jesus is gone, up, up and away on a cloud, and people of faith have been waiting for him to come back ever since. Now, if you visit the Chapel of the Ascension, appropriately named, if you visit the Chapel of the Ascension on the Mount of Olives in Israel, you will see a footprint-like depression in a rock. Locals claim that this is the exact spot where Christ departed from earth, as if he sprang up into heaven with such power that he left a footprint on the ground when he compressed it with his strength and power. Jesus, the superhero, launching up into outer space. you got to love it. No wonder the disciples kept gazing up at heaven, waiting and watching to see what in the world would happen next. Quick question. Anybody here watched or seen Life Church TV? No one? Well, you're in luck. I'm going to tell you all about it. <laughs> so, Life Church TV is an online church. So, if you're having a difficult morning, you can't get up in time, you can log in to Life Church TV. It's a community, a place where you can join people from all over the world for a church service, a live church service exclusively on the web. While you're watching the live worship service staged in a studio somewhere in Oklahoma, you are encouraged to connect with other people who are watching the show, watching the service, excuse me, via chat room with other real-time worshipers expressing their thoughts. Imagine sitting so close to someone in their pew, you could hear what they were thinking. Doesn't that sound fun? Well, as you are sitting at home wearing pajamas and eating cereal like everyone else, Life Church TV tries to get you engaged in what's happening. And I gave it a shot one day. I was having a, a slow day, and I thought I'd give it a shot. So, 
While you're there waiting for the service to start, there's this clock on the top right-hand corner that kicks down until the next service begins. So you have time to surf the web. It's a brilliant idea. So I did that. I surfed the website. And actually, I must admit that the content was really good. There was great language about connection, community service, fellowship, activities, relevance. They knew their stuff. Well, the, the timer struck zero, and I went back, and the worship service had begun. And I was really trying hard to pay attention to watch what was happening on the screen, but there was a lot going on between the music and the chat room. The conversation was crazy, and the preacher was in his box in the upper left-hand corner. There was a lot going on at once to take in. After a prayer of confession where the preacher invited us to type in our personal confessions, not going to happen, the preacher then raised his hands in prayer and invited me and everyone else to raise their hands in prayer as well. And to make sure we knew we were all raising our hands in prayer, they invited us to click a button on the screen indicating that we were raising our hand in prayer, which is hard because if my hands are raised, well, you get the point. The whole thing was amazing, actually. I was really impressed with the intentionality, but it was also a bit, a bit surreal. Truth be told, despite all the great language about faith, about connection and growing closer to God, despite all the good intentions of the site, it, it still felt like I was watching church. You know, back a few rows, minimum safe distance, watching church unfold. Which got me wondering at the time and today, it gets me wondering, is that what we're supposed to do in church? Sit back at a minute, I mean, there's no one in the first five pews, there never is. Is that what we're supposed to do, sit back at minimum safe distance and watch? Are we supposed to be like those first faithful disciples who stared up into heaven and looked and waited and watched for God to do something amazing in Jesus? I'm asking because all of us here today, all of us here today have something, something we are waiting for God to do. All of you have a longing, a waiting. All of us here have a hope or a dream that we are waiting for God to fulfill. All of us know of people and places here at home and around the world where an act of God would really make a difference. All of us are waiting for God to do something. And while it appears we won't know when, the time, we're not going to know when God will act, we have been given power, we're told, a power that enables us to witness God's mighty acts. So, so how do we do it? How do we access this power? How do we witness God's presence in our life and in the world as we wait for something amazing to happen. Well, as nice as it might be for us to sit and watch and wait for Jesus to return, our story today suggests pretty clearly that as followers of Christ, we are called to be anything but passive while we wait. As Jesus departs and the disciples watch, these two men appear in white robes. Disciples are staring up. Two guys show up and grab their attention. You might remember these two. They made an appearance earlier in the story when the women were at the tomb. And like they did then, they are once again trying to redirect our gaze. Men of Galilee, they say, why do you stand looking up toward heaven? This sounds a lot like their words to the women at the tomb. Why do you look for the living among the dead? 
it appears we have this tendency, this temptation to look for Jesus in all the wrong places. In the Ascension, this strange story we heard twice today, a story we normally skip over because it's so weird, I think we see in the flesh one of the great paradoxes, one of the great mysteries of our faith. And the paradox is this. We desperately need God, and God has given us everything we need. We need God, and God has given us everything we need. We need at times to look up. We need to stand at times in awe of God and of God's Son. We need to look outside of ourselves, even up if we have to, for something more, something bigger. But as this passage reminds us today, we also need to look back down to earth so we can get busy doing the work that we are called and equipped to do. We need God, and God has given us what we need. I have a friend who makes the case has an argument that she believes the ascension is the last miracle initiated entirely by God. Every other miracle since Jesus floated away on that cloud, she argues, finds its origins not in heaven, but here on earth. Not in God, but in us. Ever since Jesus went up to sit at God's right hand, the Spirit has been busy doing heavenly, amazing things right here on earth through us the body of Christ, which means miracles no longer come down from above. They rise up from down below, often in the places we never thought to look. Five or six years ago, a group of people gathered, a group of people from church, a church in Oakland, California, they they gathered outside Harold Camping's church. Anybody here heard of Harold Camping, famous preacher? Well, these folks from a church in Oakland gathered around Harold Camping's church the night he believed and his people believed the world was going to end. But this group from a church in Oakland didn't gather to protest Harold Camping's outlandish claims about Armageddon or his willingness to profit off people's anxieties or fears. No, these Christians simply wanted to be there to comfort the disheartened members of Harold's church when they left the service and realized the world was still spinning on its axis. And they were forced to bring their gaze back down to earth. These nice men and women of that church in Oakland, California, waited outside Harold Camping's church so they could help his distraught disciples see that God was waiting for them right there on the ground. It is not for you to know the times or the periods that the Father has set by his own authority, Jesus says. You're not going to know the when, the particulars, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and the ends of the earth. A few years ago, in a survey asking Americans about Christianity's contributions to society, Respondents in the survey cited many more negative things than positive things. Despite that, though, a very interesting thing arose out of the survey. Less than 1% of the people surveyed complained that Christians, that people of faith, were too aggressive in sharing their faith with other people. 
less than 1% of respondents felt that Christians witnessed too much. No, their indictment was that churches cared way too much about their internal issues and not enough for those who were most vulnerable and in need. Translation, most people think that Christians' heads are up in the clouds. The ascension of Jesus is not a call for us to stand and gaze up into heaven, and it's certainly not permission for us to wait around passively until Christ returns. No, the ascension and the gift of the Holy Spirit that comes with it is a call, I believe, to action. Now that Jesus has ascended, we have been empowered to witness to the good news that God's power and God's love are no longer confined to one person in one place at one time. By the power of the Spirit, God's love and power is now everywhere and anywhere for all people. And it's our job to share that news. And it seems that people don't mind at all when we share it. Author Kate Baystrup's Baystrup's kids were playing one day in the backyard when her adult cousin George used gasoline to try to ignite a pile of brush. Side note, don't use gasoline to ignite a pile of brush. The gasoline exploded that day into a large fireball that burned, in some way, all three of Kate's kids. In a panic, she got them all into the car and started driving to the hospital while calling 911 on her cell phone. Kate writes, George, the adult cousin, George was cursing and crying because his burns hurt, but also because he knew that the fire that had injured Kate's children, her children, was his fault. He was the adult who had decided to use gasoline to start a fire, and his hand was the hand that struck the match. Are they breathing? The dispatcher asked. George, beside Kate responded, yes, they're breathing. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. I am so sorry. I am so sorry. Now, Zach, one of Kate's kids, was sitting behind George in the back seat dealing with his own burns. In the middle of his own litanies of pain and suffering, Zach found the courage and the faith to lean forward, to reach out, and to put his burned hand on George's shoulder. It's all right, George, he said. We love you. We may not know the time, but we do have the power. I don't care how young or old you are, you have the power to witness to all that God has done and all that God is doing here on earth right now. Until Christ returns, we are his body here on earth. We are what the world has. And as his body, as his ambassadors, we are called to continue his very good work of looking into every situation, no matter how messed up or broken it is, and declaring with boldness, What is possible with God in the mix? I know right now with the way things are politically, in our country, and in our world, I know it's very tempting to gaze up into heaven, to keep our head in the clouds, and to wait for God to do something amazing, for God to save us. And God will save us. But as we wait for that to happen, that is not what we are called to do, to sit there and stare. We are called to witness and to see and to point out all that God is doing in and through people like you and me. Men and women of Galilee, why do you stand up looking toward heaven? Look down to earth. 
so you can witness, so you can see all that God is doing through you, Christ's body, here on earth. Amen.